You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 123. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to today's Tuesday show. I'm so excited you're here with me today. Today's episode is sponsored by HomeChef.com. To try out HomeChef's meal prep delivery service and get a free meal for two with your first purchase, go to HomeChef.com backslash lively. At the end of the episode, I'll be speaking with HomeChef member Allison about her experience with the service. I hope you guys are having a good day so far. I am speaking to you on the day this episode is airing, though I am trying to get ahead on shows. Sometimes these Tuesday shows in particular are ones that I do right as I'm about to release them. And I've got to be honest, as much as I do like the idea of being prepared and having these for you by 1 a.m., there's another part of me that kind of likes talking to you on the day that it's going live. There's something kind of more periscopy, I guess, about it. And I really enjoy it. So I have gotten many, many questions through Instagram. If you're not following me there, you can do so at Jess. C is in coloring book lively. So let's get started. Our first question comes from Coach Colleen. And she said, how do you reach out to your guests to be on the show when you're just getting started? When I started, I initially asked Aaron Lochner to be our first guest on the show. Uh, You'll notice that my voice sounds a little different, I think, since then, and the quality of the show has hopefully improved, but Aaron was the awesome first guest on the show. I started with her in particular because I knew her. So one of the things you'll notice in the first maybe 10 to 12 episodes of The Lively Show is that there are a lot of people that I had previous connections and friendships with that came on the show. So that was the easiest way was for me to go ask people in my personal network of friends that were online business owners or people that I wanted to have on the show. From there, I branched out. Now, of course, you don't have to go with your friends when you get started, but that's where I began. And as I grew, I started to ask people that I wanted to have on that maybe knew those people that I've had on the show and that sort of thing. So I tried to make sure that as I reached out to guests, I had had other relevant guests to those people on the show. That's how I got started, and that's pretty much how I still branch out from here. I'll say that one person I'm excited to try to get who has no connection to any of the guests I've had so far is Aziz Ansari. I would love to talk to him about his new book, Modern Romance. So this is my first time where I'm really kind of going off into a totally uncharted territory to see if that might be possible. So we'll find out if it is. I can't wait to share an interview with him if that can happen. But so far, I don't think I've had any guests that are best buds with Aziz Ansari. So we'll see. Now let's move on to Emily Cordes. And she asked, hi, Jess, I'm considering starting a podcast. Would you recommend naming your podcast the same as your blog if the content will be a little broader? What's better, consistency or a different but really catchy title? I think it's mostly about going with your intuition and what you feel is most exciting for you. However, there are kind of, there's like kind of one point that I do think is worth touching on. One is, do you want it to be easier for your current followers to find you in your podcast? Or do you want to attract new followers from iTunes specifically? I think that if you have some catchy title that's going to attract new followers and a whole new audience, and that's what you're really looking for, then maybe going with your new catchy title sounds great. If, on the other hand, you really want to continue to expand your offerings for your existing listeners, then maybe sticking with the brand consistency is wise. Both of these work, and both of them work in both scenarios, 
but maybe there's something there. Maybe you are more excited to continue to expand your medium for your current listeners or readers, or maybe you're looking for a whole new set of eyes and ears and, and following. In that case, the new title might be great. Now let's move on to Lisa Valinsky, who also has a podcasting question. I promise we'll move past the podcasting questions right now after this one. She said, would love to learn about podcasting, like how you got started. What equipment would you recommend for beginners? I have one answer for this. One answer, one answer alone. For any podcasting questions, I always send them to Pat Flynn's podcasting tutorial is the end all be all resource for all things podcast. He's now been on the show twice, so you may recognize his name or his awesome podcast, Smart Passive Income. I cannot recommend his podcasting tutorial enough for all those getting started questions. And a side note on this, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm going on Pat's show this evening. I don't know when it will air, and I don't even know exactly what we're going to be discussing, but I am kind of freaking out here. Oh, besides the Oprah show couch, I can't think of a place I'd be more excited and like a little nervous. I guess maybe Tim Ferriss show would be scary too, but exciting as well. So anyways, can't wait to share that episode when it goes live on Pat's podcast. Now let's move on past the podcasting questions. Lake Cat asked, how do you exercise in winter in Michigan regularly? That is a great question. I will say that there are a few different things that I do. I go to the Y, which I belong to here. It's a really beautiful Y gym, basically the Y, you know, like the YMCA. I also like running outside with Ellie, which we did yesterday after work. I enjoy Blogilates YouTube channel, which is awesome for really hardcore short workouts that really work specific targeted areas in a really great way. I enjoy lifting weights and I've been lately lifting weights and watching carpool karaoke on YouTube because I love it so much. And the other big thing that I do is walking everywhere. So I pretty much just drive my car once or twice a week. I live less than a mile to downtown. So thankfully, since the weather has been relatively ice free and snow free most of this winter, I've been able to keep walking downtown every time I want to go out to dinner with friends or if I want to go to the coffee shop. So I get several miles in just going back and forth (laughs) to downtown. So those are kind of the ways that I stay exercising in Michigan winter regularly, though I'm not trying to force it in any specific I have to work out X amount of time for X amount of days per week. Sophie Ving asked, have you started your capsule wardrobe? And if so, How is it going? Love your show. Keep it up, girl. Well, thank you, Sophie. I used to have a capsule wardrobe that was much more structured along the lines of Caroline's unfancy capsule wardrobe system. And that was fun and I enjoyed it. I actually let go of a lot of clothing while I did that back in Austin. But since I think we did our first interview and maybe I did the first one or two capsules, I kind of then got into the life-changing magic of tidying up and the Komari method of holding everything and asking if it brings you joy. Well, that took me even further into weeding out the clothing that I did not find joy in. What also happened with the Komari method is that I'm much more critical of the purchases that I make and whether they really bring me joy So at this point, I don't know that I have a certain set number of pieces, but I do have a very small wardrobe that could easily be a capsule wardrobe, but I'm not looking at it in the confines of that. I'll adjust it, of course, as the weather starts to shift, but just knowing that I only have items that bring me joy and no others has been its own version of a capsule wardrobe with a flexible 
number and I don't have to rotate it every specific three months. So that's where I'm at with that. And I really enjoy it. Sometimes a little annoyed that I keep wearing the same clothes over and over again because I only have such a limited number of things that bring me joy. And it is actually really hard for me to find within my budget and circumstances, I guess, uh, unlimited number of things that bring me joy. That's just kind of tricky, especially after watching the True Cost movie about the circumstances of fast fashion and inexpensive clothing and the labor issues that are caused by that, it's made it even more difficult (laughs) for me to buy a piece of clothing and really find that it brings me joy on all these different levels. So yeah, it's kind of its own weird, uh, it's not a diet or anything, but it's kind of an interesting way of being highly selective when it comes to purchasing clothing. Next up, we have Moderna Del Mar. She has a really strong intuition, and she knows that I do as well. How do you explain yourself when you make a choice based on your intuition in your business? I just made a leap of faith choice lately, and all I can tell my husband and family is, I just know this is right, or just trust me. I love this. I don't really know if there is a question other than I do all the same things you just shared. For me, this is enough. I don't need to rationalize my intuition. Sometimes if I can find some reasons that might support the intuition, great, but I do not find rationalizations bigger than intuition. As Albert Einstein said, the intuition is the master and the rational mind is the servant. The problem in our society is that we have forgotten the master and revere the servant. So I'm not really into over-rationalizing things. I think that if my intuitions told me to do something, that is enough. And I know that my peace is greater than other people's expectations. For example, with the breakup, people could have a variety of expectations on what that should look like. But my piece and Mr. Livelinar's choice to follow our own piece was far greater than listening to anyone else rationalize away whatever they might want to rationalize. So I think that for me, that's fine. I hope that your family situation also supports you to follow your intuition But without more information and actually coaching with you, I don't think I could really give you more tactical advice other than to recognize you need to have peace within yourself or you may choose to have peace within yourself beyond other people's expectations. And then also follow up that advice that your intuition has given you with a lot of action so that those outcomes and positive circumstances will hopefully come to pass, especially if your family's finances are at stake and that sort of thing. So really follow with faith and action from your intuition's guidance. Marie Foreman asked, what would you say to someone just starting out on this journey of entrepreneurship? Well, great question, Marie. I don't often get to answer that one. My first, and this is great because I just talked about this in the last question, is listen to your intuition first. Do what it says. (laughs) So first, listen to it. Do what it says to do. And by that, I mean, start where you are, wherever you are, and do whatever it said to do. And then the key is to just keep going. Now, this does not mean to continue for the next 10 years doing the one thing your intuition told you to do right now, per se. It does mean that you listen to your intuition. Wherever you are, you find a way to live that right now. The beauty of following the intuition is it does speak to you about something that you can do right now. This is something that you can start aligning your actions towards at the very least. And then continuing to keep going is really all about continuing to check in with that intuition for guidance when it tells you to course adjust. 
It's not about, you know, any tactical things. The biggest thing is the intuition because you can find all of the resources to help you do the business work. But if you're doing the wrong business work on the wrong type of business or the maybe you shouldn't even be doing a business right now based on your intuition's guidance, that is the most important factor. So you have to be in the right place from your intuition's perspective before anything else is necessarily going to serve you in the long run. Next up, we have a Alyssa C418. She said, are you keeping the name lively since you've built your brand on your name? Yes, Alyssa, I totally am. Mr. Lively, as he shared in his conscious completion post that he wrote, which you can listen or I guess you can read it since it is a post at jesslively.com slash Mr. Lively Marriage. He has said as It is true. I am keeping the name lively. And as he says, he's glad I am because I've lived it every day of my life. Yes, I've built my brand on the name. And honestly, at this point, that name is much more who I am than my maiden name, which is Constable. I was never very personally attached to the name Constable. And Lively is obviously like the coolest last name ever. I can't believe I got so lucky with that. (laughs) It was totally pure luck, you know, just the fact that I found Mr. Lively and he happened to have that last name. But yes, the show is a lively show. I am Jess Lively. I don't see that as a reason to change it anytime soon. Of course, socially in the future, if I ever remarry or when I remarry, I may socially go by a new last name, but I don't believe that I'll be changing my brand or my name overall anytime soon. An interesting fun fact here on this subject, did you know Miss Martha Stewart? Stewart is her married last name and she's no longer married to Mr. Stewart. Anyways, yeah, I love the last name, totally keeping it, and so grateful that Mr. Lively and my former in-laws all totally support that as well, which is really nice. Next up, we have Denise underscore Dawn. What top three tactics would you use when at a crossroads on a major life decision? This is going to sound a little bit redundant from my other answers, but you'll probably start to guess. Number one is to write to your intuition. This is the first thing that I do after my ego gets sick of thinking about it too much. And I keep going around and around in circles, wasting my time. I finally get a clue and I finally go, I don't say a clue, but I finally, you know, let go of the ego's resistance to writing to the intuition. And I just go and find out what I need to know right now from my intuition in that peaceful place. You can see how to actually do that by going to jesslively.com slash intuition to see exactly how I write to it. The other thing I do, if especially if the intuition writing exercise does not give me something super specific to do, and I'm super frustrated a little bit about that, I then wait for a catalyst. Let's say I really want to know what I'm supposed to do next year about something. And my intuition in writing is telling me to have peace about it right now or do something that isn't very actively deciding what I'm going to do next year. What I've realized is waiting for a catalyst is the most peaceful course of action. If I've done the research, I've done the deep dive into my intuition, I'm not getting what I want. Then I know I'm right where I need to be right now. And I wait for a catalyst, a circumstance or person or opportunity in my life to appear. Now, I'm not putting my head in the sand. I'm not ignoring it. I'm not checking out of life. I'm gently aware in my life for those signs or circumstances to present themselves. I think that when I say this, some people think like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to see it happen. I'm going to not worry about it right now. I'm not pushing it out of my mind. I'm not forcing it into my mind either. I'm just 
enjoying where I'm at, doing what my intuition told me to have peace right now, and then waiting for a moment to appear and then take action once that happened. In addition, if you have, that's like cool, but you still want some more tips, I would say go to jesslively.com slash free intuition mini course. That's free intuition mini course to get three other tactics that I use as well to tap into my intuition, to give this some real life teeth here, Denise, that I really am living this in my own life. I could leave Ann Arbor, Michigan at the drop of a hat the moment that I feel ready to. Part of me expected, especially after the ending of the marriage that I would want to leave sooner than later since I moved here specifically to have kids and do this life house addition and all this stuff that is no longer happening and I can live anywhere. So I thought I will leave sooner than later. However, when I went to Austin over Christmas, I thought I'm going to go back there. I think it's going to be the right move. I did not feel any intuition telling me to go anywhere whatsoever and not even to Austin. So what I've decided to do is wait for a catalyst. I am enjoying my time here right now, knowing that I could leave at any moment when it feels right in my intuition. But I don't need to stress out and try to force that. I'm just letting it appear when it needs to. And if you're in a situation where maybe there is a time thing happening, like what's gonna happen in August, again, I would say write to your intuition, see what it tells you so that you know whether to take action now or wait for a catalyst between now and August. You can choose to worry about it and rationalize it beforehand, but in my own life, I've done that on circumstances and now looking back after the catalyst has appeared, I've realized how much of a waste of time that energy was. So I'm choosing to try to invest as little energy in the worry and just enjoy what I can out of the circumstances in the meantime. Again, not putting my head in the ground and not, you know, hiding away from reality, being gently aware while also enjoying where I'm at right now. Next up, we have Sable and Gray. She said she listened to episode 122 today and a lot of the suggestions about living a passion-filled life involved having things that make you happy, such as beautiful bedding and an awesome wardrobe. I have a pretty small budget, so do you have any suggestions for how to upgrade your life without spending big bucks? Thanks. This is wonderful. And I think that what's easy to hear when we talk about pleasure in that sense is the stuff that I'm buying and thinking that the stuff that I'm buying is bringing, quote unquote, more pleasure than the stuff that doesn't cost a lot of money. So though bedding could be you know, and also I'd say, given your current circumstances, right? So if I was doing this and having this episode that I had with Elisa Vitti last week, when I was in college or right out of college, and I was, you know, very pretty poor (laughs) to the dollar, you know, back with Jess LC getting started seven or eight years ago, I would have a beautiful bedding. It just would have probably come from Target versus West Elm. So I would do similar things. I try to have a nice wardrobe as much as I could. I probably would have very few things that were as nice as I could get them. So I was just, and I did this back then. One of the cool things that I did when I was on a super tight budget back when I was just starting out and I had $700 in the bank moving to uh, moving to Chicago and living in a studio apartment was though I couldn't have all of the super nice things, as many super nice things as I might've wanted. What I did have the ability to do was get rid of the stuff that did not actually serve me, that was not bringing me joy, the stuff that was not very nice. So though I couldn't include as much nice as I wanted, I could remove what was not nice. And in doing that, the proportion of nice to not nice things that I had went up because I had less, but then the stuff that I had that was really bringing me joy 
proportionately to what I had was a bigger proportion, a bigger percentage of my possessions. So that was a really fascinating realization is that I don't always have to have more. Sometimes by getting rid of the stuff that doesn't bring me joy creates a space that is more surrounded by things I love than things I don't. So that would be another thing. And also, I think it is so tempting to think that betting means more to me than holding a warm cup of tea or than getting a nice candle. Nice for you and your circumstances. Nice for me, you know, often looks like a three wick candle on sale from Bath and Body Works that's $10 on sale. And I I light one wick at a time and I rotate the three wicks to get as much bang for my buck as possible out of that single candle. I think it's easy to look at the stuff and say that you need to spend a ton of money. But in the past, I've been there and did not spend a ton of money because I didn't have it to spend, but I did do it given my current circumstances. And I think that it's about recognizing that, yes, there's some things that were purchased through that, or just like loving your own sweater that you already have is great. You don't have to buy a new sweater to get even more pleasure out of the sweaters or the stuff that you have already. So those are my suggestions there. And don't try to necessarily compare your circumstances to someone else's if they're not aligned, because it's not going to bring you pleasure to spend money you don't have. But that doesn't mean that someone else that might be spending whatever they're spending isn't totally free to go get joy in those ways that they're doing so. Next up, we have Lorraine Bose. She said, I've only been listening for a few months and love the topics and guests, but you always sound so darn happy. I find it hard to believe, and I'm sure you just want to show your most optimistic self, but would love a dose of reality. Not tears or anything, just wouldn't mind hearing about the hard parts because we would understand and relate to the journey more. Really get into why you're lacking pleasure in your life. Well, Lorraine, thank you for this question. I think this is an interesting one to address. First, I'll say about the pleasure and why I was lacking it in my life. I don't think that I necessarily was lacking it as much as I wasn't directing my attention to it specifically. I wasn't really aware of pleasure in the past because it wasn't something that I was thinking about. And so I wasn't trying to seek out what would bring me pleasure because it just wasn't on my radar. Then when we talk about So Darn Happy, I don't know if this is specifically related to the completion of the marriage or not, but I'll say that for those who might be wondering, how am I so happy after that? It's only been so months, quote unquote. I'll say that, to be honest, I don't want to sugarcoat what, it's not even sugarcoat, it's like the opposite of sugarcoat. I don't want to make what I'm experiencing feel worse than I am, so I don't have any guilt or shame around the fact that this has been a wonderful new chapter for both Mr. Lively and I, even though it's unusual, even though it's not what a lot of people experience. And we're very grateful to be in a place of very mutual love and support of one another, which is often very unusual in a breakup. I don't want to pretend that I'm sadder than I am. And I don't think that that would be doing a service because it wouldn't be authentic. The truth is the pain is not, there's not really any pain. The challenge is not in the breakup itself. We're fully living our values and supporting each other. And there's no real loss here. He's living his values and having a great life. And so am I. We're able to support each other and connect when we feel like it. And as often as we feel like it, and it's just easy and good. That is not sugarcoating it. That is just true. The part that is hard for me right now, though, I will say, is not something that would necessarily come up as tears on a podcast, (laughs) but I would say the thing that's hard for me is being in a house alone, working in 
a company where I have team members all over the country, but no one really locally. I have Elle, my assistant, but I don't see her every week necessarily. She's not necessarily needed every single week. So working and living alone has been hard. Not like I'm so broken up about the breakup, but just working alone and going to the coffee shop, ordering my drink and putting my headphones on is being around people, but I'm not interacting with a person. I'm not having a conversation with a real human in front of me at the coffee shop besides ordering the drink. So though that's better than sitting home alone and just working on my laptop or like I am doing right now, talking to you on a microphone, that's isolating. Being at the coffee shop's better than that. But if I'm doing that all day and then I'm here all night on my own, that's pretty isolating. And as an extrovert, that is not necessarily my happy place. So what I've been doing is spending a lot of time with friends or on dates in the evenings so that I have this face-to-face, non-screen time interaction. Even having Skype dates with my team members is great and I love it, but it's not the same as seeing a human and being able to you know, like reach out and hold their hand. So that would be the thing that is kind of challenging, but no tears. Honestly, I'm happier than ever. I loved my life before and I love my life now. And both chapters feel almost very different. Like I love that chapter, but it feels very far away and disconnected to where I am now. I'm fully living this moment in this chapter and exploring all of the beauty that it has to offer me. And I'm not regretful or resentful, I am appreciative and grateful for the past too. And I'll also say the other thing that's been an an adjustment is running the household on my own. That's a lot more than I was used to doing in a partnership, now having a house, making sure that it's cleaned and doing the groceries and the cooking and all of that stuff has never been my favorite thing to do in the first place, but not having those things to share with someone, either to do the grocery shopping together, for example, or to uh, share the cleaning chores together. What I'm doing to help me with that is I'm getting my house cleaned for the first time by someone else. I've never done that before. And you would think that this would be the last time on earth someone would actually choose to get house cleaning is when they live alone and in single and theoretically have more time than ever to actually do that on their own or less mess than ever. But the truth is the house is a house and it's an old house and it does need to be cleaned. And because I work so passionately on the work I do with you guys and with Life With Intention and everything else, and the evenings I just wanna be around friends, like I said, and people. So I don't wanna be cleaning on my own. So for me, that's something that I've chose to experiment with and so far so good. So yeah, that's where I'm at. So doing really well, quite honestly, there isn't a lot of tears at home. So there's no tears to share with you guys, but I do think there's been some adjustments to life living alone. Kendall Wilson says, hi, Jess, love, love, love your podcast. Two questions. One, how did you build up your audience, both on your blog and your podcast to where it is today? And how did you initially get people to know about you? And two, since you mentioned it, I'd love to know about your favorite murder mysteries. Great questions, Kendall. Number one, the blog when I got started, which that's really the real start, was in January of 2009. I started blogging right around the same time I started advertising my jewelry line, Jess LC. And what was interesting about that was that the sponsorship was on A Cup of Joe. And by advertising on her thing, I did not plan this out. (laughs) I had no idea how this would actually fall into place and work out so well. But I advertised right around the time I started my blog. 
not expecting anyone to ever read my blog, but I did want to advertise on someone's blog that people were reading for the jewelry. Well, the people clicked the ad on her site and then they came over to my site, my jewelry site, and they saw that they had a link to blog and they clicked blog and then people started finding the blog. That was initially how people found out about my blog was actually advertising the jewelry company. And then eventually over time, now I would say, people and guests spreading the word about the show is how The Lively Show gets out there further as well. When you listen to the show and share it with your friend, that's one way that the show gets out there. And also the guests themselves coming on the show and spreading the word also help it get out there. Um, Number two, my favorite murder mysteries are the Cat Who series of books, which are really kind of amazing. And they're like my guilty pleasure of they're like silly cat mystery books that I loved reading when I was in high school. And I reread them recently as well. I love Agatha Christie books, too. And I love the Hercule Poirot BBC version television series and Murder, She Wrote. Those are my favorites at the moment. Kendra. Generisic said, my husband, one-year-old son, and I are relocating to Austin in a couple weeks. I know you lived in Austin and loved it there. Any favorite hangouts or restaurants to see? Also, having made several moves in your life, do you have any tips for making a big move? Great questions. I have two answers for you. One, my favorite things in Austin are the Alamo Draft House, which is this epic movie theater and restaurant bar all in one. Love it. Wish it was here. They have one in Kalamazoo, Michigan, of all places, but That's a pretty long drive from Ann Arbor just to go see a movie, but I really love the Alamo Draft House. My favorite restaurant is the Josephine House. So super cute, wonderful food. The other one that I love that's connected to Josephine House is Clark's, although all of that whole family of restaurants is fantastic. I also enjoy Emma Long Park, which is a dog park with this beautiful three-mile loop that I used to do every Sunday with Mr. Lively and Franklin. So much fun to do that walk. So if you have a dog, totally fun to do with your son and your dog. And as far as less expensive food goes that I just love, Tyson's Tacos. Tyson's Tacos is such a great spot. When it comes to tips for the move, I think there's 14 or 16 really great tips that I've created, which you can check out at jesslively.com slash moving tips. So check that out to hear all of the advice on the actual tactical ways to do it. We found a lot of stuff that works for us over the last few cross-country moves, and I hope that helps you too. Next up, we have Simply Organized Life. I would love to know how you've transitioned your jewelry business to your life with intention work. I love my work as a professional organizer, but want to transition from cleaning people's messes to helping my clients make meaningful life transition. So when it comes to how I transition my jewelry business to life with intention, I'll give you the really high scope of this, but you can go to jesslively.com slash Jess Lively to listen to my Lively Show episode where I'm interviewed about how I got to where I am. But quickly to give a background, started my accessory business at 15, went to college for business so that I could grow my jewelry empire, realized I didn't want to do that per se, but at the same time realized I could use the jewelry to pay the bills while I worked on the work that I'm doing now and took the jewelry business full-time out of school. Did that for five years. Along the way, I started blogging And through the process of sharing my life and my journey with the life with intention stuff and people knowing that I had the business, people started asking me for business advice. So eventually I started getting paid for business coaching from my readers and they became clients. And then I did the business coaching full time for, oh, I don't even really know how long that period was, but 
for a pretty short period, maybe a year or two. It could have been even less than that, but I did that for a while until my intuition told me to focus on this work and really go all in. So then I stopped business coaching. I no longer had the accessory business. And that's when I worked on Life with Intention and got that going. So you can hear all the details of more specifics in jesslively.com slash jesslively's episode. Now we have Emily, the We Files. You seem very confident about who you are and what you believe. Have you always felt self-assured or is there a story there? The answer is not always feeling that self-assured. I think that this has definitely been something that has come over time, (laughs) many, many years. I am self-assured in my intuition. That is something that I feel very confident about, and it's because I'm not resting on my ego, per se, for that guidance. So if my intuition tells me to do something, I'm very self-assured about that because I don't feel like it's come from myself And that's in air quotes, right? Obviously, my intuition is a part of myself, but the ego is something that we're so used to living out of and living from that place that when I feel that deeper sense of peace and knowing, I don't question that. And I feel very self-assured there. So I've not always felt that way. And the ego still, even when I do make those intuition choices, will fear other people's expectations. It's been interesting even to see in the conscious completion of the marriage to be 100% honest, that actually was an interesting confidence building situation because I know so clearly that that was so the right thing for us and it was so peaceful and it's been so wonderful to see it play out in such a great way that even though people could have their own expectations on that, I knew that it was very likely that people's egos were gonna have their own expectations on that. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to make everyone happy with that choice, but I knew no one else mattered besides Mr. Lively and I, because this is our life. We only got one shot at this. Why would we listen to someone else's expectations rather than our own peace and enjoyment of this one life we have? There's no way I could have made everyone happy and followed my intuition. So what's important is to follow the intuition and share from an authentic place about that and let people have the opinions they want to have. And thankfully, I mean, the amount of people that didn't appreciate that is extremely small. And I don't know, it's just given me a lot of confidence to realize like I don't need to value other people's expectations over my own internal peace. That's kind of maybe a little bit of a story of like now where more confidence has come from. Antonella Frash asks, hi, Jess. First of all, I love your show and Instagram feed. Can you share with us some tips on design, interior architecture, and decorating, especially for college students? Also, what did you have to eat today? Love you. Oh, do you hear Ellie in there scratching? (laughs) She's on the bed next to me. Well, thank you, Antonella. Okay, so we want some tips on interior design. First of all, I would say totally get you as a college student. It can be tricky. I remember being a college student here in Ann Arbor myself. And one of my favorite places to go was to the thrift store. And I have a vlog, a video blog coming out soon. I can't wait to share with you. And I go to one of my favorite thrift stores that's here in Ann Arbor, which is called Treasure Mart. And it is this wonderful place to get all sorts of goodies that are vintage and thrifted. So I'd say find vintage and thrifted when you can for two reasons. One, the price point's better, typically, not always. You're not getting here high value antiques, but also it happens to have better quality often than the new stuff you're buying. 
unless you're going super high end, a lot of the stuff, especially in interior design that's made now is produced at such a low cost that the quality is not very good. And back in the day, stuff was just made with greater integrity and better materials. So you can get some really great quality, really unique style and great prices by going secondhand. I still have tons of secondhand in my house now. Now they may not be the same price point they were when I was in college, but that's okay. That's something to look forward to and enjoy while you're there where you're at. So that would be my suggestion is find secondhand or thrifted items. Maybe you could look on Etsy or just go to flea markets and stuff as you travel or if you have somewhere nearby, even better. And what did I have to eat today? To date, the breakfast was gluten-free toast with a smashed avocado and pepper flakes with some salt and pepper. Vanille und Zmit said, hi, Jess. I was wondering how you cope with a really bad day. Any instant pick-me-ups? Love from Europe. One of my things to do when I'm feeling kind of low is to change my surroundings. So if I'm not feeling like working, for example, and I'm really kind of low, one thing I'll do is move from the room I'm in to a different room or to go from my house to the coffee shop or to go to a different coffee shop than I usually go. I'll also sometimes just simply take it easier that day than I normally would. I might spend more time with my friend Diana at her store holding her dog Pippa (laughs) and talking with her if I feel a little bit lonely and I feel like I'm missing that human interaction. I also try to watch someone inspiring on YouTube because often if I'm in a negative mental place, it's really helpful for me to watch someone who I admire who's not in that same negative mental place talk by watching them and seeing their energy that's not at the same low level that I'm at helps me see a greater vantage point because sometimes you can get so underwater in the emotion of whatever is not happening well, the bad day, that you can't see anything from a better place. But by watching other people that are totally not in that negative place can help me kind of tap into their energy and help myself get out. Also, when things are really crazy and hectic, going for a run at the end of the day can be a great way to physically release some of that negative energy and maybe the anxiety or overwhelm that's built up from that day. And then last but not least, this is totally honest and maybe the silliest answer of all, as I look up my horoscope, (laughs) I like the Astro Twins horoscope stuff and sometimes I'll just look it up and go, maybe today's just supposed to be a bad day or not supposed to be, but maybe today is a bad day in a categorical sense, and it's not a personal thing. Now, obviously, many people have their own opinions on horoscopes, but for some reason, sometimes that helps me to honestly <laughs> think about things in a different way. I know that's so silly, guys, but that's the that's the truth. Um, next up, we have Don't Call Me Kay. She says, hi, Jess. How did you know when you were ready to date again after splitting with Mr. Lively? Interesting question, Don't Call Me Kay. The truth is, I've decided to start dating again when I was standing in an anthropology here in Ann Arbor. My friends were busy. Most of my friends, like almost exclusively, they just happened to be business owners, restaurant owners, or store owners in town, which is great because I always know where they are because they're always working pretty much a nine to five at their store. So it's easy to see them. But on like a Saturday, for example, they're busy because they're working at their stores. So I wasn't really around a lot of my friends. And Mr. Lively had happened to be, I think he was snowboarding that day, but I hadn't heard from him. And I had given him a call and I hadn't heard back. And I was just kind of feeling a little like I could go either way. I could either sit there and think like, oh, you know, Mr. Live is not around. I don't know. I could feel I could keep holding on to 
trying to stay connected in that way. Or I could go, you know what? He's having a great day and I'm sure he's doing something awesome. And it's time for me to start connecting with someone or other people that are not him. I don't know. It just kind of like hit me that like I could either feel weird not hearing back from him while he was snowboarding and just not in cell reception, or I can go start dating and not put that kind of attention. It's not attention, but just to start engaging in my own life. It also happened to be right around the time that I had, or a little bit after I had publicly come out about the breakup. So actually Mr. Lively had already been you know, dating by that point that I shared that episode because we had split many weeks before, or actually almost two months before you guys found out about it. So by the time I was finally publicly single and he was busy that day, my friends were busy, I realized like, okay, Jess, it's time to start engaging in your life now. And don't keep leaning to the past. Let's start creating your new now. And that was where I realized. And it's been fun. I've enjoyed it. So I think it really was the right time for me. Of course, everyone else is going to have to find the right time for them. So just because that was my experience doesn't mean anything about anyone else. But that's for me when I knew. Next up, we have Kelly F. Martin. She said, hey, Jess, loved your fall Q&A. I find your voice so soothing and upbeat. Did you work with a speech or voice coach or is it natural? This is a great question, Kelly, and thank you. I'm very aware of my voice because I am trying very hard to do the best darn job I can for you guys. And one of those things I've been trying to do to improve is to lower and slow my voice. So of course, now I'm going to think back as I edit this and go, oh my gosh, is it as (laughs) high and fast as it used to be? Or did I actually do a low and slow episode for you guys. I have the singing a voice coach. Her name is Tracy Goodwin. I can put her link in the show notes. So if you want to check her out, you can. I have been working on lowering and slowing the voice. If you listen to the first episodes of the show, it is crazy how different my voice is even since then. And I just keep wanting to get it more grounded and just do the best darn job I can. And I think that I enjoy my voice. I'm a weirdo that doesn't hate hearing their voice. I know a lot of people can't stand listening to their voice message, hearing their own voice and stuff. I have obviously listened to my voice hundreds of hours so far. But as I've been in this, the more I've been in it, the more I've realized where it can grow, the more I've probably trained my ear to understand in a greater way. And so working with Tracy to get it to a deeper resonance and get it out of my nose, because I think after seven years of Chicago, I have had the tendency to speak from the high back part of my mouth, and I'm learning how to lower and bring it out for you guys. So hopefully it'll continue to get even better, but I have been working on it over the last, I think, two months, and it's been really fun to hopefully you know, get better, and hopefully you guys are even seeing some improvement there too. Now we have Consciously Consuming. Hi, Jess. Love your show. I started listening a few months ago, and I'm hooked. Question, how do you earn money through the podcast to support yourself? And how did you get started with the podcasting course? Great question. I will say for how I got started, again, I would send you to jesslively.com slash jesslively to hear how I got started. But as far as how I earn money through the podcast to support myself, there are three main revenue streams. Number one is the Lively Show sponsorships. So those sponsors that support the show help me to pay for the team that helps me run the show and help support my life in general. And also Life with Intention Online is a major source of revenue. So those are the biggest for me. And then in addition, there's also smaller revenue streams like affiliates and stuff like that. 
Next up, we have Ivy Tui, who said, Hey, Jess, my question is, what do you believe is the first step towards self-love? And what advice would you have given to your younger self 10 years ago? When it comes to first steps towards self-love, first, to give ourselves infinite grace when the ego wants to make us feel bad for something. So when the ego in our heads wants to judge us for something that we've done or said or just in general wants to apply to us and says, you're so blank or whatever, the first thing I think to self-love is to find a way to give ourselves infinite grace and peace around the things that our ego wants to judge us. So if we can find a way to have that that judgment be removed in some way or or softened or have compassion even just for the place that is judging us, if we can find a way to have compassion, empathy, or grace for the times or situations where our ego is telling us that we are we're being judged basically by the ego, that is the first step to self-grace, uh, self-love. If we can have that self-grace, that self-compassion, that self-empathy, it's infinitely easier to love because if we're trying to love without that grace for all that judgment, then we're trying to love ourselves for being perfect. What we're trying to do by loving with grace, empathy, and compassion is allow ourselves to have whatever the ego is judging in our lives and still love ourselves. It's not an either or. It's not a removal of that, whatever the judgment might be. It's about saying, I have infinite grace for this thing and you're good. Not to say, if I don't have that thing that my ego is judging me about in my life, then I'm good. It's I can have this and I am good. So I think that if that makes any sense, it's been something that has been really powerful for me. And advice I would give myself 10 years ago I would say follow your intuition and learn how to tap into it because it will take you to places you may never imagine you'd ever go. And also don't hold on to your vision of what you want your future life to look like so tightly that you don't have the courage to dune buggy all over it when life tells you to. That's kind of what I feel like I've been doing lately is I created a lot of the vision that I had for myself 10 years ago with Mr. Lively and having a Westie and having a White House and all that stuff. Did it. It was great. So glad I had that experience too. I don't even at all in any moment regret any of that. Or maybe my ego might have some regrets, but I mean, no, no real regrets. And I'm also so grateful that I'm not still following that path now because my intuition is such a greater leader than that me 10 years ago writing stuff down on a line sheet of paper was. So I would say I'm grateful that I followed that advice, but I would still give that to my 10 years ago self because I think she wouldn't believe me <laughs> if I told her to don't be afraid to doom buggy all over that roadmap and enjoy it. And you can do it for a while, but like don't hold on to it at the expense of your intuition. Next up, we have one last question. We have Miss Mish. Hi, Jess. I love your show. Discovered it about six months ago and have plowed through your archives. My question is, wondering how you really are truly feeling about your uncoupling now, a few months after it's been official. You seem surprisingly happy and upbeat considering the circumstances on the show. Wonder if this is a cover or how you're really doing. Well, thank you for that question. It kind of goes back to what I already shared. But yes, honestly, I am so grateful that we... 
followed our intuitions, that we did what life wanted for us, and that we are having the courage and inspiration from the fact that we did that to really live our values now. This is something Mr. Lively shared with me as he was leaving, and he called me about 20 minutes after he left, and he's like, this marriage has really inspired me to go do what I said I wanted to do instead of going back to something that could have been the equivalent of what we would have done anyways. I feel the same way. We could make the split and then go live pretty similar lives where we could have just made it work together anyways. We could do that and slip into a comfort zone versus saying that because we've done this, in order to do the marriage justice, we really have the opportunity and the duty in some ways, I was really opportunity. I want to like make it super ego or like we have to. We have this beautiful opportunity to do it justice by actually living different lives we would not have lived together. That is really doing the decision to end justice. Now, of course, we don't have to do that if we don't want to, but I think that is really amazing. The fact that we are fully living these values and I haven't even begun as much as I hope to fully live my own values, but seeing Mr. Lively do all of his snowboarding and do all the things he's doing now that were not something that we would have probably done together, that is wonderful. It is wonderful. I support him so much. It's so exciting to see him thriving and so happy and the same for me and for him to see me doing what I'm doing. And I think that that's been awesome. But I guess this is not really to your question, which is you seem surprisingly upbeat. I don't know. It is a beat. I think it would have only been negative and hard had we tried to hold on longer than our intuitions told us to. That's when it would have gotten ugly. That's when it would have gotten hard. To hold on out of fear from the ego versus faith from the intuition, that's when things get hard. To follow from the intuition, I don't know. My ego hasn't really had much to say about it. Ironically, I guess it's kind of surprising actually, because you'd think that it has fear. And sometimes it does, but I don't fall into it. I always remember what my bracelet says practice, practice, and all is coming. Everything that I may not have right now that I might have left pieces of, like a marriage or like potential to have kids right away and that kind of thing, all of that is coming. I don't need to worry about that now. I'm right where I need to be right now. Let me fully enjoy this season. Let me fully enjoy speaking with you right now in this moment at 9.39 a.m. on a Tuesday. Let me fully enjoy dating and what that has to offer me. Let me fully enjoy my friends in Ann Arbor in this little house with Ellie. I think it's not necessarily, like I said, easy to run a house by myself, and it's not necessarily easy to be alone, living alone, but I just work around those circumstances and do the best I can to find ways to see people and to get help with some of that household stuff so it doesn't take so much of my time. For show notes for today's episode, you can go over to jesslively.com slash February questions. And if you'd like to find me on Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter, you can find me at Jess C as in coloring book lively. Before I share who's coming up this Thursday on the show, let's talk with Home Chef member Allison about her experience with today's sponsor, HomeChef.com. Allison, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, So as you mentioned, my name is Allison. I live in New Jersey with my husband. We've been married for 10 years now, actually a little over 10 years, which is exciting. And we both have really, really busy jobs, which makes Home Chef great for us. 
tell us about Home Chef. Sure. So Home Chef is a meal kit delivery service. It's really great because you don't have to do anything other than think about what you want to eat based on, you know, some selections order it and then it shows up at your house or your apartment and you just have to chop things up and and cook them really. There's no grocery shopping, there's no meal planning. It's really cool because they actually have everything packaged all together. Um, I've used other similar services where things were just kind of floating in a box, but in this case, everything is wrapped together. So you just pull out the three or four or however many meals that you have, you pull all those packages out and everything's right there hanging out in the fridge. And then when we get home from work, I just look at my husband and I'm like, all right, what do you want for dinner? We have these three options or two options or whatever it is. And you just go from there. And actually, one of the things that's really cool about Home Chef is their recipe cards, Um, They give you really good information because not only do they tell you the best cook day, so meaning like it'll say like cook this no later than day three or cook this no later than day seven. So you're never really like wondering how good is that chicken for really because they really indicate it to you. And they also give you um, some other really good information like drink pairings and how spicy it is and nutritional information, which is pretty awesome. And I know it's unique in some other ways that are different from other services you've tried. Would you mind sharing what else is unique about Home Chef? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We've actually tried three other meal kit delivery services besides Home Chef. And Home Chef is the one that's really stuck with us. And the big reason behind that is just the selection. Um, most of the other meal kit options, you basically tell them, I'm a vegetarian or I'll eat meat. And then you have no other input on what you get other than if you have an allergy to something. And then they'll just do like a straight up protein substitution. Uh, With Home Chef, they actually have um, a whole bunch of options. Everything from low carb, gluten free, dairy free, and then all the good stuff too. Like we made deep dish pizza one time, which was really awesome. But it's great because you just have input on what you want to eat and when you want to eat it. And you're not kind of beholden to previous choices that you've made. They'll also deliver fruit to you if you want it. And they also have a breakfast option and a smoothie option if you want to take advantage of it, which is definitely a a unique thing that they do that the other services haven't done. I've never heard of any services that do it so that you can order any amount of meals. It's not like you're getting three standard meals that you have 10 options to choose from and you're picking from the ones whether you want to have five that week, four, three, two, zero. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's it's great actually. Um, Sometimes we get so many good choices that we actually um, would pick maybe five meals. We usually hover around three because that's what fits well into our lifestyle. But there are definitely times where the meal options have been so good that we just can't make the decision. And then we do Home Chef instead of going out to dinner on a Friday night. So for anyone who wants to give Home Chef a try, they have a special bonus offer, which is a free dinner for two. That's right, guys. You're going to get a free dinner just for giving Home Chef a try. To give it a try, go over to homechef.com backslash lively and enter the code lively at checkout. You'll receive a free dinner for two with your first purchase. Again, that's homechef.com slash lively and enter the code lively at checkout. Allison, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks so much. This was great. And now for a sneak peek, guys, this Thursday, we have the one and only Brene Brown coming on the show today or on Thursday, obviously. On Thursday, Brene and I are talking about her new book, Rising Strong, and one of the most discussed topics of life with intention online, how to set boundaries for those you care about in your life. This is a wonderfully 
practical episode for anyone who is struggling to put the boundaries in their lives with people professionally or personally in order so that they can have a positive relationship going forward. I can't wait to share it with you. Until then, may something wonderful happen to you today. 